0: Tonight we're, we're continuing on in our um, Songs of the Soul uh, and reading the Psalms in different seasons of our lives. Uh, and, and so this is our little summer series in the evenings, uh, looking at Psalms' song, in, in My Soul. And uh, tonight we're coming to, we're going to look at Psalm 40, and we're going to be looking at, at that whole idea of the season of waiting. And, and I guess all of us go through times of waiting, so hopefully uh, there's something that God will say to each of us tonight as we read Psalm 40 and have a look at it together. So, let's, um, let's have a look at Psalm 40. Uh, it's on page 566 of the Church Bibles, if there's one handy there, uh, 566, and the words will be on the screen, and um, I'll read Psalm 40. I'm going to read the first 10 verses because uh, the first 10 verses sit very naturally as a, a passage of Scripture, and also because verses 11 to 17 pretty much reflect actually what's in the first 10. So, we're going to read the first 10 and have a look uh, at the first 10 verses and see what God wants to say to us tonight from His Word. So, Psalm 40, uh, for the director of music of David, a psalm. So, King David uh, is is largely credited with writing uh, most of the psalms, and, and certainly this one. So, King David is the psalmist, and he writes this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. No one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Amen. Amen. Well, the lyrics to a well known Queen song, and uh, hopefully they're going to come up on the screen just uh, now. There you go. I want it all, and I want it now. Does anybody remember this guy? Yep, yep, the vile Freddie Mercury, and Queen, and that was one of the songs. And you know, I want it all, and I want it now, and that pretty much sums up the contemporary uh, approach to life, doesn't it, in Western society? I want it all, and I want it now, uh, and, and you know, we all want something, don't we? And we don't like waiting on that something, whatever it is. We want it we want it all, we want it now. I recently was reading of a survey that was done and I said that we really don't like, we don't like waiting anywhere, but one of the places we don't like waiting is in shops, supermarkets. So this survey said, you know, the online shopping will, will, will go up and account for half of the uh, all sales in Britain by 2020 something. And because people, 73% of people surveyed said they went to a shop, lifted something, went up to the checkouts and then went and sat it back again because they didn't want to sit in the queue. So, seventy-three percent of people have left something, uh, left the shop without getting what they want um, because they didn't want to wait in the queue. I, I recently read also an open letter uh, from one lady who wrote to a supermarket about something like this, and uh, you might detect just a little hint of sarcasm uh, in her letter. Uh, she wrote this: um, "Dear manager of XYZ supermarket, thank you for regularly." Uh, thank you for regularly having only one of the six available checkouts open on my weekly visit to your store. I have found that this arrangement has many benefits for me. She says, as I wait in line, I can now catch up on my magazine reading without actually buying any. <laughs> I, have I have ample time to leave my trolley in the queue and walk back around the store for the 16 items that I forgot first time round. I have lots of time to assess what other people have in their trolleys and to get exciting new ideas for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She says, I can finally get to apply my nail polish, fingers and toes, (laughs) and be assured of more than sufficient drying time. I can practice a full set of standing yoga poses. (laughs) And I've recently added in a few new Tai Chi moves as well. I can taste... Taste test another box of tea cakes whilst carefully keeping the empty boxes to be presented at the checkout. My mum used to let us just about do that with a packet of crisps. She also says, and she says, I can also be assured that the packet of frozen steaks will be thawed out and good for dinner before I reach the till. And finally, my favourite one, she says, When I eventually get to the till, I can claim a healthy discount on those items which have passed their sell-by date <laughs> in my trolley whilst I have been waiting in the queue. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, so just a little bit of sarcasm. We didn't like waiting. And uh, we don't like waiting. We don't like waiting. None of us do. We don't like waiting for anything. We don't like waiting for God. And we're just like, God, there's so many things I'd like you to say, so many things I'd like you to do. Would you just get on with it? We don't like waiting. We don't like waiting for God. And... and But, you know, waiting can actually be good for us. I had to convince myself of this. I had to preach this to myself first, as I always do. But waiting can actually be good for us. And waiting is sometimes God's way of of making us take a little breather uh, or of maturing us in the faith or of of bringing us in step with Him and His timing. And, and, And waiting can be a positive thing, especially waiting for God. And you see, when God does speak or move, it's always in His perfect timing. For our ways are not His ways. And He sees the bigger picture. And He always, as Paul writes in Galatians, He always acts in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. So when we talk about waiting for God, and we often think about waiting for God to to act or to speak, but the biblical concept of waiting includes the acknowledgement that we are not only waiting for God but we are also waiting before God, for God and before God in His presence. And that's really important for us to remember. As we wait for Him, we wait before Him in His presence. Because you see, the writer of the Psalms, King David, he also wrote in Psalm 37, he said, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. There is this acknowledgement from God's people throughout the Bible and throughout the history of the church that That we are living life, including waiting, we are living life coram deo, before the face of God. Before the face of God. So just as we wait for God, we also wait before God. And on on waiting before and and for God, along with King David, the the prophet Isaiah also had something to say about this. And it's summed up in, in the words of one of the songs that we sang as well. Isaiah wrote in chapter 40, he said, Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They will renew their strength. So we see that renewal or or receiving something new from God is a key feature of waiting for Him and before Him. Waiting on God, it doesn't come naturally, but it's always worth the wait. At least that's what the psalmist found. And so can we. Why is it worth it? What did the psalmist find? What do we find as we wait before and for the the Lord? Well, we find that our God is a gracious, generous, giving God who longs to do something new in us and through us. As we wait for him and before him, the Lord gives us firstly, he gives us a hearing. He hears us. The psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard me. He heard me. As we wait on God, he hears us. He's a listening God. For however long we're waiting, he's listening. And you see, God's people have found this to be their experience through the generations. Remember, the Israelites in captivity in Egypt, they cried out to God. He heard them. He acted. He set them free. And we can be assured that as we wait for God, he is listening to us. He hears our cry. He hears our prayers, and he answers them. And you know the answer we might get might not be the one that we want or the one that we like but God sees the bigger picture and he gives the answer that he knows is best for us. And it might be yes or it might be no or it might be not yet. Wait. Secondly, we, as we wait for him and before him the Lord gives us the first of those new things. And you start. And you start. Verse 2 He lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud and mire we're talking about a new start here. You see, I had a friend recently uh, and they were out on a farm and they accidentally walked into, uh, only can describe it as sinking sand. It, it was mud, but it was like sinking sand. And, and she started to sink down and down and down. the more she tried to struggle to get out, the more she just sank down in. And it was, it was really quite scary for her. And it took someone else to, to reach down and take hold of her and pull her up out. And she never did get her welly boots back. But they're still three feet down. But that was a small price to pay for freedom. And the Bible tells us, folks, it sins a bit like that. It's uh, like being in a slimy pit. Sin has us trapped like being in a slimy pit with walls that we can't climb up, like mud and mire that we're stuck in. It's as though we're down a pit or stuck in sinking sand. Sin has us trapped, and just like being down a a pit or stuck in mud and mire, if we don't get out of there, we have a problem. We have a problem. In fact, we're going to die in there. And and whether we're stuck in a pit or in mud, or uh, either way, we can't get out of there ourselves. And we need someone else to lift us up out of the pit and up out of the mud, don't we? And, And that's what God does as we wait for Him. As we call out to him, only he can rescue, only he can save, only he can lift us from the grave, the pit, the mud. And he does. He does. He does. That's what he does for us as we wait for him, as we call out to him. As we put our hand in his by faith. So whatever it is that we're stuck in, if we're stuck in something tonight, whatever it is we're stuck in, He wants us to put our hand up and he's reaching down and he wants to lift us up and pull us up out and give us a new start. Thirdly, as we wait for him, before him, the Lord gives us a new security. A new security. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. You see, the psalmist rejoiced that God not only pulled them up out of the mud and the mire, but out of sin and death, but he also set them on a rock. A firm place, a good place, a secure place. The rock is the firm place of God's word, his word of grace and truth. And again, it's God who does all this as we wait for him. He lifted me out. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. God does these things. He does it all. But there's more. There's more. He puts a new song in our mouths. That's the fourth thing that God gives us as we wait for him and and before him. A new song, a new song. He put a new song in my mouth, verse 3. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. A new song, he said, maybe a brand new song or it maybe a new, a new desire, a new zeal to sing an old song. With the joy and the passion and the thanksgiving of one who's been lifted from death to life. And it's not just a song. You know, sometimes I I visit other places and they say, you know, well, we're just going to sing now. We're just going to sing a song now. No, no, I want to say, no, no, we're not just going to sing a song. No, we're going to sing a hymn of praise to our God. We're going to worship God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. That's what David was doing. That's what we are doing. You see, we're never just singing a song. We're never just singing a song for the sake of it or because that's what we do around here or because to fill our service out a bit or to entertain ourselves. No, God forbid. We are singing a hymn of praise to our God. We are worshiping the maker of heaven and earth. Praise the Lord. And you see earlier in this psalm, David acknowledged the importance of his individual personal relationship with God. He speaks for himself with words like, I waited and he lifted me very personal, very personal references there. But here now, David also acknowledges that he's part of something much bigger. Here, David acknowledges that he's part of a worshiping community of faith. David says, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God, our God. David is part of something much bigger than himself, And so we too must acknowledge that individual relationship with God is vital and central, but we too are part of something much bigger than that. Yes, it's vital that we each let God pull us individually up out of the pit and place us on the rock, and and, and that's what we need to do. But it's equally vital that we also let him graft us in to the worshiping community of faith. Singing songs of praise to our God, Together, then, then the psalmist says, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Others putting their trust in the Lord—that's evangelism. He's talking about, isn't it? And that works when we do it together. When people see us praising and serving our God together, we make an impact on our community and our city. And the world is watching. The world is watching. It's not that they don't see us, they do. You see, the psalmist writes, many will see. Many will see. The question is not, are they watching? But rather, what will they see? What will they see? Will they see us praising and serving our God together in unity and love? Or will they see something else? If they see us praising and serving God together, folks say we'll respond with respect for God. That's what this word fear means right here. Respect. They will see and they will hear us praising and serving God together and they will respect our God and they will put their trust in him too and they too will be part of the community of faith singing a hymn of praise to our God together. That's how it works. Fifthly, as we wait for him and before him, the Lord gives us a new appreciation of his blessing in the present, his power in the past and his plans for the future. Verses 4 to 6. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. This simply speaks of the blessing that the one who trusts humbly in the living God receives in the moment. In the moment. Blessed is. Present tense. The one who is humble and trusts in the living God is blessed in a way that those who are proud or trust in false gods can never be. You see, pride comes before a fall. And a false god is a terrible master. There is no blessing there. But with the living God, there is blessing in the present and there is remembrance of his power in the past. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. Many are the wonders, many. No doubt amongst, these other, amongst other things, the wonders the psalmist is thinking about is God's acts in creation, making the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. The psalmist is also no doubt thinking of God's wonders, his acts in redemption, setting his people free from slavery in Egypt and bringing them through to freedom in in their own promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. You see, we too can join with the psalmist, can't we, in declaring the wonders that God has done? We too can see his acts in creation, we too can see his acts in redemption setting us free from slavery to sin and death and leading us on a journey that will one day take us to our promised land, to paradise. The one who trusts in the Lord recalls God's current blessing, his past power, and also acknowledges God's great plans for the future. It just gets better. He says, it's the things you planned for us, no one can recount to you. They would be too many to declare. Some says, I haven't time. I haven't time. God's plans for his people are simply too many to count and too many to declare. There just wouldn't be time. God is a generous God with lots of good plans for his people. A generous God who abundantly blesses and unfolds his plans to us as we wait for him and before him. As we wait for him in silence, in praise, in prayer, in his word individually, collectively. So we ask God to speak to us. To reveal his plans for us. His plans for the future. And the response to such a God who gives us all these things is a response of faith. And he gives us a faith to respond to him in gratitude for all these other things that he's given us. Sixthly, as we wait for him and before him, the Lord gives us a new commitment to him in faith. Verses 7 and 8. Sama said, then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is written in my heart. Your law is within my heart. You see, in Romans 12, Paul, Paul says this. He says, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. God has given all Christians a measure of faith. The faith we each have is a gift from God. And you know, sometimes we acknowledge that salvation is a gift from God, but then we think we somehow have to conjure up the faith to receive that gift. But, but, but the faith is also a gift from God. Salvation is a gift. And the faith to receive that gift is a gift. And, and the faith to respond is a gift. He gives it all. He gives it all. And then David goes on, it is written about me in the scroll. Well, this could be David referring to the likes of the verse in Psalm 139 where he acknowledges God's sovereignty and God's intimate knowledge of him when he says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Or it could be referring to our names, the names of his people that God has written in the Lamb's book of life. But either way, God has written the psalmist into his great salvation story. And he has written his name in the Lamb's book of life. And that's what he has done for every single believer through all generations. That's what he does for you and me as we trust in him. And in return, in response, the psalmist has written God's law, God's word in his heart. And we will want to do the same. We read our Bibles. And this verse, a strange verse perhaps, initially, this verse, it says, my ears, you have pierced. My ears, you have pierced. Now, this was not done for ornamentation as we might do it today, but it's a sign of David's commitment to the Lord. You see, in Exodus 21 and Deuteronomy 15, it tells us that when the time for setting servants free came around, it tells us that if a servant didn't want to 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 be to leave his master. If a servant wanted to continue to to serve his master, his master was to pierce his ears. And that would be a sign to the servant and to any other potential master. This servant, he's already spoken for. He already has a master. This ear piercing was a visible reminder to him and every other potential master that he's not on the market. He's got a master. And this is what's happening here with David. Here I am. He also says, here I am. I have come. I desire to do your will, he says. David, he comes. He makes his commitment to God. He receives the sign of that commitment. And then he goes off to do his master's will. And that's the sort of commitment, folks, that we too will want to make to God as our master, as he gives us the faith to do it. And the seventh and the final thing for this evening that the Lord gives us as we wait for him and before him is this a new inspiration to declare the gospel, verses 9 and 10. A new inspiration to declare the gospel. He says, I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. You see, as we, as we wait for God and receive from Him the hearing, a new start, a new security, a new song, the new appreciation of His blessing for the present, His power in the past, His plans for the future, and the new commitment to Him in faith, so we also receive this new inspiration to share the good news, the good news of the gospel, to proclaim righteousness, to proclaim how God makes humanity which is wrong. Humanity is all wrong, messed up. To proclaim righteousness, how God makes us right with Him again through the sacrifice that He made on our behalf. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart, the psalmist is saying. The psalmist is saying, I have your righteousness in my heart, but I can't just keep it there. I can't keep it to myself. I, I can't keep from showing it and sharing it in my life. I do not seal my lips, I do not seal my lips as you know, O Lord. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. It's again, it's not his own trumpet he's blowing. No, it's God's faithfulness and God's salvation that David is declaring. And look, he's not just speaking about it, he's showing it, not concealing it, but revealing it. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great, the great assembly. He's not concealing it, he's revealing it. He's not just speaking and showing God's love and truth to one or two people either, is he? He's revealing God's love and God's truth to the great assembly to many people. And surely that will be our aim too, won't it? As we wait for and before the Lord, there's plenty to be getting on with, isn't there? Proclaiming his his righteousness, his faithfulness, his salvation. And each of us will do that in different ways. We will. God has equipped and called and gifted us in different ways. But we will each want to do that as God has enabled us and equipped us to do it. And love and truth, or grace and truth as in our version, has it? Grace and truth, what or who does that little phrase remind you of? St. John speaking in the, of Jesus in the very first chapter of his gospel. He says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only begotten Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. You see, we can say that the psalmist in this psalm, like in so many of his psalms, he's pointing us forward to Jesus. He speaks of God's righteousness, his faithfulness, his salvation, his grace and truth. And so now having the benefit of God's fuller revelation to us in the New Testament, we can sum these things up in one word. Jesus. Jesus. We now proclaim Jesus and the good news. Of his gospel. So just as I finish, we don't like waiting. We don't like waiting and we don't like waiting even for God. But as we do wait, we will ultimately find that it really is worth it. Worth it for he is a gracious, generous, giving God who longs to do something new in us and through us. As we wait for him and before him, the Lord gives us a hearing He gives us a new start, a new security, a new song, a new appreciation of his blessing in the present, his power in the past, and his plans for the future. He gives us a new commitment to him in faith and a new inspiration to share the gospel. Shall we pray for a moment? Let's pray. The Lord is with us by his spirit and his word. The Lord is with us. King David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. So let us take a few minutes to wait patiently for him and before him right now. Let us listen up for the the Lord who hears us. And as we wait here now, perhaps in the context of waiting for the Lord in some other area of our lives, let us listen for the still small voice. And let us respond to what he's been doing, to what he's saying to us tonight from his word. Let us respond in his presence and in the stillness of our own hearts as we wait patiently for the Lord. Lord, we thank you for speaking to us here tonight. We thank you that as we wait for you and before you, you turn to us you hear us. We thank you that by your spirit and your word you renew us and that you're a gracious generous giving God who longs to do new things in us and through us. So please help us to receive all that you want to give us and help us to give to you in service all that we think and say and do and sing. So that many will see and fear and put their trust in you. And you will have all the glory. Now and always. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.